Welcome to the Tech and Main Presents Podcast with your host, Sean St. Hill. Sean is the CEO of Tech and Main, a technology consulting firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Listen in as thought leaders share their tips and insights about what's going on in the world of technology. And now, here's your host, Sean St. Hill. Thank you for joining another episode of Tech and May Presents, where we bring you the best insights from today's leaders and experts in technology. Before we get to today's amazing guest, we want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Tech and May. Clients and employees are the top priority of a business. Protect the data of your top priority in three easy steps. Tech and Main can help you assess your cybersecurity posture, fix any errors, and help maintain your security program according to NIST and CIS standards. For more information, call our office today at 678 575 8515. And now to today's guest. Today we will be speaking with Stephen Stoll. Stephen is the Senior Partner Development Manager at Telaris. Without stealing any of Stephen's thunder, we'll go ahead and let him introduce himself and say hello to the Tech and Main Presents audience. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today, Sean. Really excited to be here with you. You know, excited to be here in front of your clients and in front of your uh, podcast uh, folks. Just being completely transparent. I've never actually downloaded a podcast or, or uh, participated in one. So you can call me a, a podcast virgin today. So this will be my first foray into uh, the podcast world. Well, hey, Stephen, glad to um, have you on here. Uh, man, I can't thank you enough for all that you've meant to our business here at Tech in Maine, helping us grow, um, putting us in a position to win. And so um, you're one of the good guys. And so it's definitely an honor to have you on, man. Thank you so much again, Sean. Excited to be here. All right. So, Stephen, why don't we have you go ahead and share your background with our audience? Yeah, that'd be great. I appreciate it, Sean. Um, grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so a long ways from Atlanta, Georgia here. Still a diehard Steelers and Penguins fan. In 2001, I graduated from Penn State uh, with a degree in hotel and restaurant management, which is obviously serving me a lot of good right now. Uh, back in 2003, I made the determination and I did not like the cold. I did not like the snow or the six months or eight months of winter, whatever they get up there in the north. So I decided to uh, move down to Atlanta. So I was managing a restaurant in Pittsburgh and found myself in Atlanta back in 03. In 2006 is where I kind of got into the technology world uh, and I was hired on at CBeyond. So I'm sure many of you out there are familiar with CBeyond, uh, probably dealt with a lot of the cold calls that we made, but that's where it all started for me. I got all of the sales training, um, you know, at CBeyond. I was out there hitting the streets, 50 doors a day, every door, every floor, five after five, whatever other kind of cliches you want to throw in there. But, you know, really, that's where my technology journey began. In 2012, I moved over to West IP. And this was really a, a great evolution in my career because at West IP, I was able to start working with more enterprise level clients and started meeting and building a lot of the relationships uh, that I have today with the partners here in the Southeast. So at West, I gained a ton of knowledge in, in the hosted voice space and as well as the contact center space. In July of 2019, uh, so just a little bit over a year ago, made the move over to Laris, and I've loved every minute of it. I love doing what I do every day, and uh, I love helping partners, and I think that kind of leads us into the, the next segment. Okay, great. And so, Stephen, actually, that is a perfect segue. At Telaris, I mean, you guys do so many amazing things for the channel and for partners like myself, helping our businesses grow. But what exactly has you the most excited about your daily work at Telaris? 
I think it's just helping partners, right? Whether it's a new partner that's building a business and, and we're building a business development strategy to, to get them ramped up and to, to get those residuals built up. Um, or if it's a seasoned veteran looking to expand their portfolio and, and move into a new space like a contact center or a mobility, that's what I love doing every day is, is helping these guys out, um, letting them know, you know where other partners are maybe having success and helping them build that business and, and you know, uh, build that residual income stream for themselves and uh, for their retirement as well. Okay, great. And so, Stephen, you shared that great background with us. Um, you know, you have let us know that working with partners has you excited on a daily basis. Now, with all of that background, with all of that expertise, what is one common technology issue you would say companies are facing today? So that's a great question, Sean. I think with uh, the way that this pandemic has rolled out, you know, it's impacted every business in different ways. And and there's certainly an array of challenges that that these companies are facing today. But I think primary, first and foremost, it's cybersecurity threats, right? Whether that's phishing attempts and malware, you know, I think we we believe that awareness is going up uh, by end users, but the amount of people that fall victim to these phishing attempts is actually increasing, um, you know, the hackers are getting smarter. They, they've started doing stuff like spear phishing, right? Where that actually looks like it's an email from somebody that you know, or that's at your organization. You know, we do awareness training with Stickley on security every quarter. So every quarter I've got to go in and, and do security awareness training. And some of the things that, that have come out of that is 66% of malware was installed via malicious email attachments, So, you know, just making sure that employees are keeping this top of mind and keeping your information confidential and safe is of utmost importance to organizations today. And we've also got suppliers like IGI that can come in and help clients with incident response if they do fall victim to a phishing attempt in malware. I think that's one of the bigger things. There's also a lot more to the cybersecurity threats, right? With so many people working from home, these organizations need to maintain secure communications, whether that's uh, getting employees to use stronger passwords. I think there's a number out there like 80, 80% of hacking related breaches come from either a stolen or a weak password. So personally, you know, I use I use LastPass. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, Sean, but um, love LastPass. Um, it can generate secure passwords for me. It obviously stores and saves those across all my devices, um, but that's greatly assisted myself as an end user you know, ensuring that, you know, I don't have duplicate passwords out there. I don't have easy to guess passwords. You know, they're very detailed. They're, you know, you can make them any long, you know, if you want them to be eight characters long, nine characters long, 10 characters long. Um, So I think keeping those uh, secure communications and making sure that employees are using strong passwords and also multi-factor authentication is is becoming more and more prevalent today. Um, This actually in a personal story helped save my own butt you know, I became victim to a phishing attempt and somebody had my Office 365 credentials, but because we have dual authentication in place, I received a message that someone was logging into my account from another city and I was able to shut down that access, right? And go in and change passwords and make sure that um, my information and, and the company's information was all secured. And then I think the last thing along the lines of cybersecurity is, is companies, because all these employees are working remote, they're working from their home, they've lost control of securing those employees' computers at home, right? You know, so making sure that end users that are working from home understand that their personal firewall needs to be turned on and up to date. 
Um, they need to have up-to-date antivirus. They need to be keeping up with patches and updates on their computer and also making sure that um, they're not sharing computers with their children. Kids can be a risk when you're working from home as far as, you know, um, you know they're always curious and, and doing different things and you don't want them to kind of put your own computer at risk. So, you know, just from a personal perspective, I think those are the biggest things that I see customers are dealing with today and, and struggling to kind of manage. Okay, great. Well, First, shout out to LastPass um, because, yeah, they are great for the personal end user, but they're also great for enterprise clients where, you know, you can add an entire company to, you know, that LastPass account and everyone has, you know, the ability to generate passwords and you can silo departments, you can silo teams. If you're working on a special project, you can create, you know, a a vault or a room for them. So um, yeah, definitely love LastPass. And then of course, um, the advice that you gave about the folks that are working from home. Yeah. Keep the kids on their own iPad and, Mm -hmm. you know, you keep your work laptop for work. Yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, great that you recognized and shared those things. Um, But Stephen, you know, with those companies that we highlighted or, you know, with the, the issues that companies are having, you know, we're, we're in the channel, right? We are not badged employees of any one particular company. You know, we're able to work with an entire gamut of different suppliers and vendors. Why should companies consider working with folks like us in the channel? No, that's a great question, Sean. I think it's something that you guys probably run into on a day-to-day basis uh, when you're out there you know, uh, prospecting for new clients is, is you're probably getting that question a lot as far as what, why should I use you, right? I think some of the biggest reasons are that our partners and consultants are experts, right? They offer clients years of experience that you can leverage at no cost. I think indirect partners are very, very well versed in advocating for their clients as well, whether that's an escalation, you know, advocating for them with the, the supplier or the master agent and trying to make, ensure that their client gets the best uh, support from that, that particular supplier. Also helping customers spend uh, their technology budget more wisely, right? Here in the channel, we feel like we get very competitive pricing and best of breed, you know, technology, best of breed pricing. Um, so helping those those companies adjust that budget and spend it more wisely is another reason that you would lean on a partner like yourself, Sean. I think also, you know, our partners are all supplier agnostic, which I think is important. They don't have, um, you know, a sentiment one way or the other with these suppliers. It's really about positioning the right supplier in the right situation to provide the right solution for the client. So I think that's huge. And then I think last, and, you know, I, I could probably go on for an hour about this, but you know, from my perspective, a partner is going to allow that IT department or that CIO to free up his internal resources to focus on more strategic business needs. You don't want your your director of IT out there, you know, tracking down quotes and, you know, dealing with those suppliers directly. And that's going to eat up a lot of his or her time. You know, leaning on a partner is going to mitigate a lot of that for an end client by, you know, again, allowing their their internal resources to focus strategically and, you know, giving them time back to their day um, that they can focus on the business. Oh, Stephen, those are those are great reasons. And I think the the most important one is really the last one that you mentioned, and that is time given back, you know, to the internal resources. And we've all got 24 hours in a day, yeah. eight hours in your work day, five days in your work week, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can help a customer be more efficient, and I have a, a perfect example. One of 
the areas that I work in a lot is apartment communities. So property managers, you know, real yeah. estate investment trust companies. And it's a much better use of the IT director or the regional manager's time, you know, to focus on internal projects and, you know, internal objectives than for them to be sitting on the phone with their Comcast rep or with, you know, their AT&T rep, whomever, you know, trying to resolve something. It's, 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 much, it's a much better use of their time, you know, if they are looking at how cybersecurity can give them a competitive advantage and work that into their business objectives, as opposed to, you know, trying to track down, hey, do we have such and such a vendor or such and such a provider? You know, we can take a lot of that off of their plate. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. So, Stephen, um, Tolaris, you know, got a great relationship with them. I'm just curious, what is Tolaris doing to help partners deal with the new normals? You know, I mean, we're still in the middle of the pandemic. A lot of folks are working from home. You know, what are what are some of the initiatives or what are some of the things you guys are doing to help partners deal with all that's going on? Yeah, I think at the onset of the pandemic in March uh, or whenever this began, you know, we started offering some branded marketing materials to our partners to help them message out to their clients about what the pandemic meant to those end clients and sending these employees remote. So I think that was kind of the first step that we took as far as enabling our partners with tools and resources to to have these discussions with the with the clients. I think we've also brought on additional resources uh, internally. Uh, so whether that's a subject matter expert or a partner success specialist or an inside partner development manager, um, these are all roles that are partner facing. And, and in the intent behind these roles is to help you sell more effectively. Uh, and again, just like you're freeing up time for your client, we want to free your time up, right? So I think you know the additional internal resources that we brought on is another step of kind of how we've helped the partners deal with the new normals. You know, I think it also comes down to supplier relationships too. I think our supplier management group has done an awesome job of bringing in exclusive suppliers as well as unique suppliers in the space. So, um, you know, companies like Zoom, Protoscore, and Illumo are going to help end users remain engaged with their employees, right? So we, we've all we've all heard of Zoom, right? It's almost become a verb at this point. But we've actually seen a tremendous amount of client interest around the actual UCAS solution, not just the conferencing and collaboration with Zoom company like a proto score is really relevant in this day and age because it's going to allow a company to gauge how effective those employees, uh, those remote employees are working from home. Uh, they track metrics from Outlook and Salesforce.com and other productivity tools to give each employee a score on, on how productive they're being in their day-to-day uh, work remote. And I think the last one I'll highlight here is Alumo. Alumo is a great tool that we actually use internally here at Tolaris, and it allows our company leadership to kind of gauge um, the employee satisfaction levels through very short, confidential text messages. So I'll get a text and, you know, it could be, hey, on a scale of one to five, five being the highest, how would you rate Tolaris's response to the partners dealing with new normals, right? And I can respond to that text and all that information can be co-located for our leadership to look at and say, hey, you know, uh, it looks like based on our employee feedback, we're doing a great job of addressing the pandemic and, and doing X, Y, Z, or, you know, maybe on the other end of an organization, they could look at that feedback and say, hey, maybe we're not doing as great of a job based on what our employees are telling us. Let's respond to that and make sure that we're keeping those employees happy um, so that they're enabled to do their day-to-day job. Well, Stephen, I appreciate you sharing those great examples of Zoom, Protoscore, and yeah. Alumo. It's funny. 
for as long as we've been working together. I don't think I was familiar with Illumo or Protoscore. So I'm going to have to check yeah, them out. No, I highly recommend it. Like I said, I'm an end user of Illumo. Highly recommend it. So, Well, Stephen, let's go ahead and pivot into some questions that are specific to you. And why don't we start off with name your favorite musician or band? All right. So I'm going to have to take you down a little bit of a rabbit hole here on this one, Sean. So, you know, I grew up in the 80s. My dad was very much a fan of, of you know, classic rock. So I, I grew up with a lot of classic rock getting played in the cars on the way to vacations and, and other destinations. So um, the first one I've listed here out of three is actually Jimi Hendrix. Um you know, I think Jimi Hendrix was was such a creative person. He he learned playing guitar by himself, and he even learned how to play it upside down. Amazingly enough, and I think it's um, it's a testament to to his influence on the on the you know rock music industry that he was really only mainstream for four years. But the hard rock uh, or the the Hall, rock and roll Hall of Fame called him arguably the greatest instrumentalist in the history of rock music, and he was only around for four years of relevance. So I think that speaks volumes in regards to his influence uh, on on rock and roll. And uh, he's definitely, you know, tops for me. But I also picked some from other uh, generations. So being an 80s kid, you know, grew up on a lot of Beastie Boys, right? I really respect the Beastie Boys because every album of theirs is very different. You know, they started off as a hardcore punk band. Uh, they transitioned to hip hop. You know, if you listen to albums like Check Check Your Head, they even started playing instruments. You know, Mike D was on the drums, Adam Yauch was on the bass, and, and Horowitz was on guitar. So these guys, you know, they evolved through the years and, and continued that evolution. And, and I just that's one of the big reasons that I respect them is you can listen to any any one of their albums. And then last, but certainly not least, um, Mac Miller. So, um, you know, it's not because I'm from Pittsburgh or he's from Pittsburgh. My respect for Mac Miller is more because he, he's not, you know, I think people consider him or put him into that rapper category or hip hop. I really don't think that that's accurate. I, I think truly he was an artist. If you if you listen to some of his later music, maybe the last like two or three albums, I mean, that stuff is truly art. It is not it is not hip hop. It is not. You can't define what, what he was doing on those last couple albums. And just unfortunate that we lost him early. And uh, yeah, so those are my top three. Sorry to expand on that past one. But uh, I thought I wanted to represent each kind of generation that I've, I've lived through. And those are the top three that came top of mind. Oh, Stephen. Hey, look, I, I respect the fact that, you know, you had those three. Yeah. Mac Miller, Jimi Hendrix, Beastie Boys. As a kid of the 80s myself, very familiar with the Beastie Boys of Sleep Till Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> I remember jamming to that quite a bit back in All the day. Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. And, um, you know, as far as Jimi Hendrix, yeah, that was one of my dad's favorite musicians. So definitely remember, you know, a lot of Hendrix playing as a kid. So uh, I like your style of music, man. That's Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> All right. So, um, and I don't think I... Had, have to ask this question because you kind of alluded to it um, a little earlier, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, name your favorite sports team. Yeah, you're right. I kind of alluded to it earlier. I have to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers here. Um, you know, growing up in, in Western PA, they're very easy to root for. You know, they were they were pretty good most of my uh, years growing up. I think they were kind of they were a little bad when I was younger, but it was, you know, before I really was into football at all. Um, but once I got into football and, you know, they were pretty much always had a, a positive record. And, and even since then, I've had, you know, really good years. So I think it was easy to root for them. 
you know, and I think what I saw from just fellow Pittsburghers, so the, the camaraderie within the city of Pittsburgh and even the suburbs is just amazing. So when I first moved to Atlanta, I couldn't understand why everybody wasn't wearing Falcons gear, right? Not just on Sunday when they played, but every day of the week. Because in Pittsburgh, I mean, it, it could be a Wednesday in, in 30 minutes north of the city and half the people out there are going to have a Steelers hoodie or a Steelers jacket or a Steelers hat or, you know, so they're very passionate about the Steelers, I would say. Um, so there's a lot of love there. And um, again, just a different atmosphere than I've seen in other cities that I've been to as far as, you know, everybody being on the same boat and just rocking that gear every day of the week. Doesn't matter if it's Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, didn't matter. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned the Steelers because you are probably one of at least nine or 10 people, you know, that I've interviewed over the time I've been doing the podcast that have, you know, listed the Steelers as their favorite team. Most people talk about, you know, the Steelers way and the tradition, but you're actually the first person that's talked about like the camaraderie, you know, and how people represent the team. And it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I've lived in Chicago, lived in Nashville, you know, Atlanta, grew up in Miami, and maybe the Cubs are the closest thing that I can think of where, you know, you could be just about anywhere in Chicago and, you know, you'll see people rocking Cubs gear, but yeah, yeah probably not to the um, extent that people do it in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. So, but yeah, respect to the Rooney family and, you know, yep, for sure. Yeah, and the way they run an organization. All right. So obviously we're we're thinking pre-pandemic, but name a favorite vacation spot. Yeah, I mean, I've been dreaming about this for like nine or 10 months now since the pandemic started. But, um, you know, my wife and I, one of our favorite spots to go to is Amelia Island, which is about 30 minutes north of Jacksonville, Florida. You know, great spot at Amelia Island. It, it's quiet there. Um, it's not like uh, other beaches where there's huge high rises all over the beach and condos and whatnot. So it's very quiet. There's not a lot of major food chains, right? So when I go on vacation, I want to eat unique food that I can't get at home, you know, so they eat at the mom and pop shops. So we really like that aspect of Amelia Island is that they haven't really commercialized it too much. Um, of course, if you go south, you know, they've got the Ritz and the Omni down there, but we don't really, you know, hang out down there. Um, you know, we mostly hang out on the north side of the beach, but um, you know, again, just no high rises, no, not a high level of commercialization. And it's just a great beach overall. So that's definitely our favorite spot. Okay, good stuff. How about someone that you're following that's innovative? That's a good question. So, you know, obviously with the evolution of social media, there's a lot of influencers that you can follow on LinkedIn or, or wherever else. And I think one person that I've really gravitated to over the past couple of years is, is Gary Vaynerchuk. I think Gary's interesting character because he kind of just lets it all out, right? He doesn't hold back. He swears a lot, which I, I kind of swear a lot in my normal day-to-day -day life as well. So, but I think the biggest thing about Gary that that I've seen and watching his videos and and you know following him on social media is that he really cares, right? I think their their motto at, at Vayner Media is uh, family is first, right? So it just goes to show you that even though he's got these huge you know corporations and businesses built. You know, he, he truly cares about his employees. He wants them to flourish and be successful. And, you know, just saying something like family is first really hits home with me, right? He loves person-to-person -person interactions, which is another, you know, it's something that I love too and something that we've been missing out on this last nine to 10 months. Just seeing him engage with, with people that are fans of his or people that are counterparts of his or employees of his, 
you know, it's always interesting to see his interactions there and, and how much he really does care. And I think the other thing, and then probably the last thing I'll say about Gary is, is he doesn't care about how it used to be done. He cares about doing it the right way and doing it the way that he sees is right. Right. So I think it's, he's just an interesting character and someone that I've kind of gravitated towards over the past couple of years. Okay. Yeah. I would say the thing that I admire the most about Gary V is the fact that, you know, from the time he was a little kid, he's like, I'm buying the Jets. Yeah. And that, that has been like his drumbeat passion, you know, for what he's probably in his forties now. So, you know, for 30 or 40 years, you know, that's, that's been like his diehard passion. And, you know, I think he's probably a lot closer to being able to buy, <laughs> buy the Jets, you know, yeah. <laughs> his net worth is increasing. And I think, you know, the way the Jets are playing, um, you know, the franchise value is probably dipping. So, you know, he's probably a lot closer to, uh, <laughs> you know, actually being able to cut the Johnson family a check and buying it from them. But um, yeah, sure you got to respect them more than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you got to respect someone with um, a lifelong goal or a lifelong dream like that. Well, it's like Cuban too. You know, I was kind of, you know, Cuban's another one that I, I follow and it's, you know, very innovative and, and unique personality. And, you know, he's actually done that where he, he owns sports teams now, which is kind of cool. So yeah, it's, it's nice when you're able to, you know, kind of get to the place where you can either, you know, go out and, you know, like you said, like Mark Cuban, you know, buy a team or, you know, like Gary V, who's, you know, kind of building towards that. Um, yeah, I think that is very cool. All right, Stephen, we're going to jump in the time machine, man. And we are going to go back to 18-year-old Stephen Stahl. So <laughs> what is the Stephen of today going to tell his 18-year-old self? Man, really putting me on the spot with that one there, Sean. A lot of things have happened since I was 18. Learned a lot of stuff, that's for sure. Um, this is half joking, but um, if you've ever seen Back to School, the movie Back to School with Roddy Dangerfield, and at the end, he's given the commencement speech and he says, stay in school, don't go, it's a jungle out there. <laughs> uh, that would be one thing, you know, I think today in this world, you know, almost you know, everybody's got a bachelor's degree. So at the time when I was 18, it would have been great, you know, uh, to go to college and then maybe even further that education into, you know, a master's degree or a PhD or something like that. Um, so that's definitely one piece of advice that I would give to my 18 year old self. And then I think the second piece would be uh, invest in Apple, Google and Amazon. Here, here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can't man. miss there. <laughs> Well, it's 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 funny that you mentioned that because this one movie that my wife and I like, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the the guy that played uh it's Jim Cavazel, I think. Yeah. Um and it's oh goodness, what's the guy's name? Um one of the Quaid brothers. The dad's a fire chief or firefighter, and somehow the kid gets to um talk to his dad. Frequency. Oh, my man. Yes. Frequency. The the son's best friend somehow gets to hear, you know, the, the futuristic friend. And he's like, hey, buddy, remember this name? Yahoo. By Yahoo. <laughs> Don't ask me what it means. Just remember that. Right. And then at right at the end of the movie, you know, the friend has this uh, super bad sports car. And, you know, on the license plate is Yahoo. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so. See with uh, my 65-year-old self. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's um, that's a, that's an awesome movie, man. But yeah, so as you were mentioning that, yeah, I was like, yeah, I think I would, I think we would all tell our our eighteen year old selves, you know, buy whatever the hot tech company was, you know, right as it was getting founded. So, oh yeah, um, oh yeah, yeah, good advice. All right, well, hey, Stephen, man, I've enjoyed this so much, and um, again, can't tell you how much your friendship means. Um, you know, just having you on as a guest um, means a lot. Before we let you go, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Best way is a phone call, right? I think, uh, you know, email, you know, gets lost in translation. So anytime I can reach out on the phone and talk to somebody, that's going to be, you know, better. Obviously, I'd love to meet people in person, but with everything that's going on, that's not really feasible. Uh, So anybody can reach me day or night. uh, 404-550-4415 is my cell. Um, I think if you talk to my other partners, you, you'll find that I'm pretty responsive even on weekends and late at nights and everything. So um, I try to be as readily available as I can uh, in this role to make sure you guys have what you need. So, All right. Well, awesome. And of course, we will have Stephen's number in the show notes. But Stephen, again, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing everything that you did today. And Tech and Main Presents audience, thank you as always for listening. And be sure to tune in next time when we will have another technology expert share their wisdom. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to another episode of Tech and Main Presents. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget to tell your friends. And thanks for being a part of the Tech and Main Presents community.